The Rams released their initial 53-man roster, and we've got some big surprises. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. What is up, Ramley, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your four-time champion Los Angeles Rams, free and available wherever you get your podcast, Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, do us a huge favor and subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. We just passed 8,000 subscribers, thanks to you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and what is your reaction to the Rams' initial 53-man roster? My name is Doug McKay. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation. Now the Rams four locked on. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station ESPN 710 LA. He's entering his eighth season covering the team. The people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on X at Travis Rogers. On today's show, we're breaking down that initial 53-man roster. We're taking a look at the surprise cuts, and Matthew Stafford is having a tough time connecting with his young teammates. We'll get into that in a little bit. But first, this episode of Locked on Rams is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Travis... The first reaction I had when I saw this initial 53-man roster, I went up and down a couple times, and I said, wait a minute, there's no kicker, okay? (laughs) We went from the F-them picks era to the F-them kicks era. I don't know what's going on here. We're going to talk about that, but just kind of what's your reaction to seeing no kicker right here from the outset with Tanner Brown being cut? Yeah, I think we had a similar reaction to that, which is this might be the final 53-man roster because you have to cut down to 53 yesterday per NFL bylaws. These will not be the team that the Rams opened the season with for no other reason than, like you said, unless they plan on going for two every time and having uh, Ethan Ingram or Ethan Evans kick off, then this is not going to be the team that they uh, that they take the field with. Uh, I, I thought the same thing that you did. Look, the second that Tanner Brown missed that kick in Denver on, on Saturday night, he was done. It, it was as simple as that. Like he, he knew it. Every football fan knew it. You can't miss kicks in the preseason. You can't miss two kicks in the preseason. And he did. So uh, same reaction that you had. This is, you know, more or less, there's some surprises that I know we're going to get into a little bit, but this is about what I thought the team would look like. It's uh It's going to be an uphill climb with this roster, but this will not be the roster that it is in week one. It'll not be the roster it is in week eight or week 15. It's constantly changing. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting theory by you. Just go four downs every single time. Don't worry about having a kicker. I was thinking, hey. man, Travis Rogers, the pre half and post-game show host, does he need to come down and kick extra points? I know you like your vans. I was thinking we need you some custom football cleats, some vans cleats. I think you could knock it through the uprights, man. Just get right through those two yellow poles there. But yeah, kind of getting back to Tanner Brown, it's disappointing because Ethan Evans, he looks like he's a dude. I mean, he looks like he's yeah. a career punter in the NFL. And look, you hear kickers talk about it. I mean, it's 90% mental and 10% physical, right? And for him, the way the kicks were bending left, it did feel like he was going to make this team. And I think it's good that they're going to address this now. Now, some kickers that could be available, I think one thing that will come from this is let's take advantage of their 
place in the waiver wire. And you got yeah. Cade York. So Cade York, a fourth round pick in 2022, 24 for 32 last season, did struggle this summer with the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns, they got Dustin Hopkins from the Chargers. So that made York expendable. So he's going to hit that waiver wire. And he's someone who definitely has a big lead. He had a 58-yard game-winning field goal as a rookie, but he just hasn't been accurate. But when you look at these kickers, they usually have a lot in common. They're usually older. They're usually undrafted. It takes time for them to develop. So I'd be willing to take a flyer on Cade York if he becomes available and he lands to the Rams there on the waiver wire. Yeah, it, look, let's keep him off Instagram during halftime so we don't have to deal with that. We know that that's part of the reason that uh, the the Cleveland Browns decided to move on from him the way that it is. I think it's ironic that the Chargers have a surplus of kickers and they're dealing yeah. guys away to other teams. That's not how that has gone over the last 40 or 50 years for that particular franchise. But I, I think you're right. You know, I, I've always compared a kicker a lot to a relief pitcher. You never know what you're going to get year to year. You never know where a guy can get a change in scenery from one spot to the next that simply going to another team can kind of re-energize him all over again. Um, I, I also think that this is something that the Rams fans are going to take a minute to get used to. They've been very, very spoiled at that position over the last several years that you go back to Greg Zerline and he not only was good, but he had a big leg. I mean, you inside a 60, it felt like they were going to go for three points if they got to a, a fourth and, and long. And then of course they find Matt Gay, uh, you know, almost by accident a few years ago, this was somebody that Tampa didn't want to pay anymore. He was not their first choice here in LA. He worked his way into not only that's that, that role on this team, but became a, a, a pro bowl caliber kicker and, and they're going to miss him. So that, that is something that needs to be addressed. Look, the margins for the Rams to win games are going to be pretty small. The margins to win games in the NFL are pretty small and they oftentimes come down to making or missing a kick. And right now they don't even have somebody to try a kick. So it's a big deal. It's something that they need to think about. And York is certainly a possibility. That's a great point. I love that you bring up how good the kicking has been. From the Legertron to Gay, I mean, I'll never forget Zerline's 57-yard kick in overtime. Sure. They don't go to the Super Bowl without him. And, yeah, sometimes it does take time. They go through five kickers before they found Matt Gay there in 2020. Another name that's interesting is Brett Maher. He was 29 for 32 in field goal attempts last year, <laughs> 9 for 11 from 50-plus yards. But I know what you're Get thinking, Travis. Get to the it's good part. One for six from extra point attempts last postseason. To me, it felt like when you're playing Madden and you let your brother kick the extra points because it's going to be fun and you just shanks him every single time. So I don't know if they're going to have Jerry Jones go out there and kick those extra points, but I think that would be, from an optic standpoint, that would be really the conversation if they bring him in. But he does have a big leg and he had a good year last year. Yeah, it, it was that's what was so weird about what happened in the postseason where, you know, and, and I guess you can miss one, but the second he missed two, it's like, all right, it's in his head. And then he ended up missing five in a row. <laughs> I mean, that that's just insane. And impressive. again, I'll, I'll use the very aggressive. I'll use the relief pitcher analogy that once you kind of, you know, start giving up home runs, it's very hard to stop doing it. And sometimes the only thing that'll help is going to a new team where just a new setting, a new look, a new everything can kind of give you a chance to just kind of restart the whole thing. They're going to audition guys. They'll find somebody. And, you know, like I said, they've been pretty lucky at that position, pretty good at that position. And uh, they're in search of right now. They, you know, I don't know who they'll land on. Uh, Mars, interesting. Uh, but I, I, I got news for you. Every time he goes out there to kick a PAT, I think we're all going to be holding our breath. 
I was impressed by it. I mean, it's almost like it's harder to miss than make it in that situation. I was really applauding him. But, yeah, you also have Robbie Gould as an option. So, yeah, that's definitely something you need to address as far as bringing in a kicker. They're going to need to find a guy. And Sean McVay already said in the press conference yesterday that they will have a kicker on September 10th against the Seattle Seahawks. So that's good. Another point really want to bring up is they ended up – keeping Oshawan Mathis. So Oshawan Mathis, of course, he's been dealing with the injury and he's going to be placed on the IR so they can keep him. And he had to make that 53 man roster to have that option to play him at some point this season. So he's going to be on. And that's interesting because Kier Thomas was one of the few bright spots off the edge, a guy that really proved that he could rush the passer. Any reaction there? Well, I think it means that they have plans for him beyond just the first part of the season. Some of them made that beyond for maybe this season collectively that, again, I know the season hasn't started and I know that I've been a broken record on this and the everydayers are probably, you know, sick of hearing about it at this point. But this is a work in progress. This is not a team that is built to come out of the gates and stack a bunch of wins. Something the Rams have been so good at in the Sean McVay era is getting off to a good start. And all of a sudden you turn around and they're, you know, they're six and one, they're seven and three, whatever it may be that they get off to a good start. I think this may be a little different this year. I think they're taking a long view. I think they're taking a more strategic view as far as roster building and not just in the 2023 season, but guys that they want to be able to develop to keep and have on their roster moving forward beyond this season. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I think the big thing that Rams fans need to know is that, yeah, the big dogs, they're in Sharpie on this 53-man roster, but there are some guys that are penciled in towards the end there. They're not guaranteed to make it because I think the Rams, they go 5-12 and 12 last season. They're a team that yep. doesn't see themselves being high priority on the waiver wire, and I think this is the year where they take advantage of that, and they address some needs possibly at the edge on the interior line spots, and I think they're going to get creative possibly, so I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway is that this is the first draft, really the initial 53-man roster, and I think you're going to see some tweaks before we have our opening game up in Seattle. But Agreed. there were some surprise cuts, Travis. Some guys we thought would probably make the cut that did not, and we're going to get into that next here on Locked on Rams. All right, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, right? You got to make sure that the person that you're looking to hire fits into your team, understands the culture of your business, understands what it is that the job is all about. And this is why LinkedIn Jobs comes in. And it's incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you watching every episode, listening to every episode. And you can join the Everyday Listeners Club too. Membership is 100% free and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. Now, Travis, here in our second segment, 
We're going to dive into some of these surprise cuts. And the biggest one, the major surprise, the shocking development was that they have moved off of Logan Bruss. Now, he was the team's top pick in the 2022 draft. He goes in the third round, 104 overall. They were so excited about him that top scout Brian Hill jumped into the pool at the Rams draft house to celebrate. And now he doesn't make the 53-man roster a year later. Yeah, look, I, I, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I believe what I'm about to say. You know, who this puts an incredible amount of pressure on Tutu Atwell because here, here, here's what's gonna happen. Logan Bruss, like you just said, DMAC, was the second, was their first pick in the second round two years ago. He's gone without ever playing a snap for this football team in a regular season game. That is a failure, capital F. Two year, the year before that, they took Tutu Atwell, who has played a few snaps, but has not really contributed to this team in any meaningful way. He was their top pick three drafts ago. You can't have your first guy in the 2020 draft be a complete bust and then follow it with the 2021 guy be a complete bust. It looks like the, the guy that they have here in 2023 and Steve Avila is going to be a really good player. This puts an incredible amount of pressure on Les Snead. Your top picks can't constantly miss. They don't have to be pro bowlers. They don't have to be great NFL players. But when the very first player you get a pick to a chance to pick, the two of the one of those guys is gone already after a year and change, and the other guy hasn't contributed a lick to your team, that's a real deal. That that I, I get Logan Bruss being gone is a is a big surprise, but is it? He didn't look good. He didn't look like an NFL player. He was getting tossed around out there. That just doesn't work. That as weird as it sounds, I think this puts even more pressure on Atwell because if that doesn't work, what are we talking about? And, and the F them pick strategy gave him a Super Bowl because maybe the actual picks themselves have been a huge problem. That's a great point. And we know that Les Snead, what he does is he can get you known commodities, right? He can get yeah. you brand name stars and use them picks, but this is not a great track record. And it's adding up very quickly. Talk about guys like Bobby Evans. You talk about, like you mentioned, Tutu Atwell. We'll still see if he can realize that potential and be a contributor. But I do commend them and applaud them for moving off of Bruss when they did. I mean, what must be done eventually should be done immediately. And like you right. said, he just did not look like an NFL player. I mean, he struggled in pass protection, struggled allowing pressures, did show some flashes in the run game. But the reality is last year during the preseason he struggled before tearing that AC on MCL, and they thought that he was a guy that could come in and just replace Austin Corbett. They made him a day one starter, and I think in Bruss's defense, I mean, going back to this draft disaster that was Bruss, it was also how they used him. I mean, you you draft him, you have him change positions multiple times. He really doesn't get settled in. He just is a guy that did not like he was going to contribute. Now, Sean McVay said they are still going to have him on that practice squad and see what they can get out of him. But yeah, just kind of going back to your point on Snead, I think that definitely is a conversation that we need to have because I think maybe at this point, maybe he does need to go to the combine, right? I mean, he's a guy who thinks he can just watch tape. I think you need to go to the combine, take this draft thing seriously. And yes, and you can point out the fact that when you don't have first round picks and sometimes you don't have second round picks, you're not going to hit on as many of your draft picks. But yeah, this is not looking good because next year you're probably going to have to cut Joe Noteboom because he's going to be due $10 million. And he was a third round pick in 2018. So the draft picks have been good. I say I will say Avila, I feel good about. Trey Tomlins, I feel good about. Puka Nakua, yep. I feel good about. So hopefully they've turned things around. But yeah, this doesn't speak well for his track record as a draft guy. 
they've done much better in the back half of the draft than in the front half of the draft. Now, their front half of the draft hasn't existed in seven years. They haven't had a first-round pick, but the second-round picks have been a bit of a mixed bag, and, and then the third-round picks have been a bit of a mixed bag. I, I agree with what you said, DMAC, that, look, if you feel that it had to be done, don't wait around, right? I, and, and I think this is one of the things that I really do like about how the Rams operate is when they decide a decision needs to be made, they make it. They decided that Todd Gurley wasn't going to work out. They got rid of him. They decided that Jared Goff wasn't good enough. They made a trade to go get Matthew Stafford. They decided that Logan Bruss wasn't in their future, at least as part of their 53-man roster. They moved on from it. I do think there takes a certain amount of you know, courage in admitting that you're wrong or you've made a mistake and moving on from it. But the problem is you can't keep making mistakes over and over again and just taking responsibility for it. Some of those picks are going to have to start to hit. And and thankfully, like we you, you and I both mentioned, that Avila both look, we, we both think that he looks like an NFL player, and he does, because that'll calm the waters a little bit. That'll take the temperature down a little bit. But you know, whiff, whiffing on two of your last three second-round picks is is not a good look at all. And that one guy was is, is gone, or at least on the practice squad, as quickly as he's been, that's, that, 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 that's a tough objection to overcome. Yeah, they kind of bit the bullet. They moved off him. And I will say... That you look at the scouting department. I mentioned Brian Hill earlier, the guy who jumped in the pool, kind of put him on blast a little bit. I also want to kind of go back and say he was the main scout for Cooper Cup in 2018. So he yeah. has his victories too. Look, so he's you know, definitely a really good scout. A thousand, right? You're going to yeah, miss no, a few. Exactly. That, that, that's fine. It happens all the time. You just don't want it to happen a, a bunch of times in a row because you're chasing at that point, right? The Rams were already chasing because they didn't have first-round picks. So your second-round picks become all the more valuable because those are the, the that's your first crack at getting a player that you think can play for your team and that two of the last three have been uh, as underwhelming as they have been. It's it now more pressure on your third round picks, more pressure to find a starter in the you know the fourth round or later, which they've done a pretty good job at. But that's that 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 is a that is a tough way to live your life trying to build a team with with starters picked in the fourth round and beyond. That's a that's a very tough assignment. Exactly. And speaking of fourth round picks, another surprise cut was Robert Rochelle. Not as surprising as Logan Bruss, but Robert Rochelle is a guy. Of course, he had the physical tools, the athleticism to make it as an NFL quarterback, but lacking with coverage skills, wasn't a good tackler. He just was playing deep into that third preseason game. And when I saw that, I'm saying, okay, you're playing deep in this preseason game. The writing's on the wall. You are going to be gone. But yeah, he's another guy that didn't work out. But any thoughts on Rochelle getting cut? Well, it's interesting because you go back two years ago during the Super Bowl season, the Rams, he, he had almost worked his way into the starting lineup that Darius Williams had been hurt and he was filling in for him. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see some development there. You're starting to see what looks like a real player. Talking to some people in and around the team that it was, you know what, we think we got another guy that's going to be an effective player for us to cover and give us some depth. And Robert Rochelle was that guy and that we're here where we are. Again, it's life in the NFL. It moves fast. And guys that are, you know, in favor one minute can fall out of favor another uh, uh, pretty quickly. But, yeah, I, I think it's more it's a name that we recognize, maybe more than somebody that was playing at a high level that got cut, that, that we know his name, that it's not one of those guys that you got to go down to the bottom of the depth chart. Okay, when did they get him? Where did he come from? It's a familiar face. It's a familiar name that kind of jumps out at you. But like you said, DMAC, if you just if there is a way to gamble on if you're playing in the third game of the preseason beyond the first half, you're probably not making the team. Right. And we saw him out there. And I think that uh, he probably knew it more than anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at that secondary, too. I mean, 
Trey Thompson's a guy I think is going to play the inside or the outside. He's someone that yeah. I think is going to get meaningful snaps. Could even see him as a starter at some point. I think Kobe Durant's going to work out. You've got mm-hmm. Akella Witherspoon who's had a really strong training camp. So I'm feeling better and better about the secondary. Rochelle's someone that they thought had the potential, but he didn't realize it and they moved off of him. Now, kind of getting back to the scouting department, I'm not saying they got to go out there and clean house or anything like that. But I mean, you got guys like Ernest Jones they found. I mean, look, really what you're trying to do is find rotational players. You're not necessarily always trying to find stars especially in the later rounds that's unrealistic but I do think that my hope is is that Les Snead is starting to turn the corner as far as just kind of his evolution I mean you saw him not wanting to pay Rams and they trade him they didn't play Floyd right you didn't go out there and trade up and for a skilled player in the first round you did draft an offensive lineman so it does feel like that after that Super Bowl win and Mm -hmm. they have accomplished their mission, that they are saying, okay, we are going for a more sustainable model as far as needing to get the homegrown talent. Because look, if you buy all your players, you're the San Diego Padres, you're the New York Mets. If you grow your own players, you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? When you have the farm that has all the crops and you're building your own own assets, that's how you win long-term. Yeah, look, and and then add when need be, right? That you can grow your own stuff and then supplement it with other people's best stuff. You can supplement it with a Freddie Freeman. You can supplement it with a Mookie Betts. That those guys come from somewhere else, and that's what Von Miller was. That's what OBJ was. That's what Andrew Whitworth was. These guys that came in and kind of got you over the top, but now it's time to restock. Now it's time to develop the core of your team that is mostly homegrown or at least inexpensive homegrown players that don't have to be the best player on your team. You can go over the top with a Jalen Ramsey or a Matthew Stafford, but you're still going to need that through line of guys that you drafted yourselves. And I think we're going to see the beginning of it this year. I think the, the draft that they just finished, I think was a pretty successful one. You know, it's always hard to evaluate it right after it happens. It's usually year two and three where you got a much better sense of it. But looking at Avila, looking at, at Tomlinson, looking at some of these other guys, we'll see what Byron Young looks like once he gets to play more regularly uh, with, with <clears throat> excuse me, with regular NFL players. You're going to get to see that. And if they can find two or three or four guys that are regulars in that draft, then they're on their way. That's what makes organizations like the Rams special is because of the resources, because they have multiple ways of acquiring elite talent. And they have the deep pockets to sign them outright. You can trade for them. You can trade the picks. You have an owner that's willing to go all in. You can't say that about teams around the league. Huge. You know, yeah, you bring up a great point that, a willingness to when the window gets a little wider, when it's like, hey, okay, we actually have a chance here. Let's go for it. Let's not nibble around the edge. If we got a chance, we're going to go for it. And, well, you know, I'll cross the streams here again, DMAC, and talk about baseball for a second. There's the difference between thinking you got a chance and going for it and getting a guy. And then there's doing what the Angels do, who didn't have a chance, go for it, burn the place to the ground. And then all of a sudden, when it's all over, go, ah, let's burn it down again. Rams are in that, hey, listen, okay, we took a step back last year. Let's reevaluate. Let's see where we are. And let's chart a course moving forward from here. I like where they are long term. The season may be a bit of a challenge, but I think that the the, the, the pieces are in place. The head coach is in place. The owner is in place. They got a shot to to win some games this year, but I really do think we're getting back to what we've talked about really all offseason long, which is work in progress and see what you have. Exactly, Travis. But speaking of young players in our next segment, we're talking about Matthew Stafford, who's having a difficult time connecting to this youthful team that the Rams have. We're going to get into that next. 
next here on Locked on Rams. And welcome back to Locked on Rams. Thank you for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single weekday. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked on Rams, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Travis, here in our third segment, we're talking Matthew Stafford and his wife. Of course, she has a podcast, The Morning After with Kelly Stafford. And she says that Matthew is having a difficult time connecting with some of these young players. He says they're always on their phones. He's saying that it's really something that he's struggling to do. Do you think this is something? I mean, I think that for me, I hope they bond over winning at early in the season. I, I do think it's something. I, I think it's something because of everything else that has happened in addition to this. If this were just this, just this, where older player, veteran player is having trouble connecting socially or you know, in a more intimate way with a younger generation of players, not a big deal. I think that probably happens a lot. I'm sure that there's a generation gap and a communication gap between Aaron Rodgers and some of the younger players on his team. But this isn't the only thing that's happened. What also happened were reports all season long that the Rams were at least listening to trade possibilities involving Matthew Stafford. What also happened was that there were reports that they asked him to redo his contract and he declined to do that. So you put all these things together, I'm sure there's a level of frustration like, look, man, I'm trying to connect with these guys. They're trying to shove me out the door. They're trying to do this. And it's just the frustration of all those things together coming in. Do I think it's going to affect how they play on the field? Maybe not. and Not really, but I do think that it speaks to what's going on potentially inside that locker room, which is they have two different channels going on. You have the, the older veteran player channel who's like, man, I don't have a lot of time to, to, to mess around. We got to go win. We got to find a way to get things done right now. And then the younger generation, which is trying to learn this league on the fly, to try to learn how to play in the NFL. And that there's a disconnect there does not surprise me. That it got out the way that it did was a little weird, but that it got out is not a huge surprise. Yeah, and she said that he had to go as far as having the equipment staff print out a Facebook so that yeah. he could remember everyone's name to make an attempt to get to know them. He said that they're calling him Sir, which I know players probably don't like that. He's saying, look, we're both in the NFL, right? We're on the right. same stage. And I think I want to kind of touch on what you talked about, though, as far as him being mentioned in trade talks. And for me, I think this does feel a little calculated. I think kind of putting on my little tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here, I'm thinking that the Staffords, they're very smart. They know what they're doing. And they're saying, okay, we see this roster. We see the youth and inexperience. They're saying, if things don't go right, I've kind of already established, hey, I'm distancing myself a little bit and kind of giving you a reason why. Because you've heard how great he's looked during training camp in the preseason. You see that he's ready to have a bounce back year, but he's also kind of controlling the narrative to an extent. And I think that, yeah, this does happen. I mean, look, there's a big generation gap with people. I mean, look, when I go out with my friends, they got to play the cell phone stacking game. You put the cell phone in the middle of the table, stack it, the first person to touch it has to pay the bill. I don't know what they got to do. Maybe he's got to go in there and just go full z lenial and just, you know, be like, you know, we'll go up to this group of rookies, be like, hey, let me let me get a vibe check, fam. Nice drip. Nice drip, Kobe Durant. I think the Seahawks are hella mid. Hey, these rookies are low-key different. Cab, go off, King. I Maybe he should just go full-on midlife crisis, Matthew. I don't know. I, well, here, here's what I do know. You just channeled my 20-year-old daughter. So that was very well done. That's exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah, look, I, 
the the timing of it is really interesting to me because this isn't hey they're zero and four and what the heck's going on with that team and why can't they get anything going? This is before it's even started that there's a hey, they're not connecting. It, it, it's it's very very odd the timing of it. Uh, I and you know like you I I do own a tinfoil hat. Um, I, I I tend to believe that all of this stuff is done purposefully, whether and not necessarily maliciously but purposely. And I think that this is something to consider, you know, keeping an eye on because, you know, maybe he doesn't want to say it, but he wants it out there. It, it's it's one of those things that I want the, the I want the world to know that I'm not on the same page with these guys. But if I do it, it doesn't come out the same way. Whereas if it comes from someone else and it comes back to me, it's like, ah, it's not quite like that, but we'll see what happens next. It, it, it's not nothing to me. I agree. I think it could be the start of just kind of a year for him where it's a lot of frustration. And I think you look at Stafford, he's had a lot of frustrating years in his career with the Detroit Lions. But hopefully you remember that it's all about Cooper Cup. It's all about the veterans that they do have at the key positions like Donald and Cup and himself. And we'll see if this team can have a solid year and winning that really solves the problem. And that really conquers all. But yeah, I don't think he should do that. That'd be hella cringe if he went up to the young players and acted like that. But in the words of uh, of uh, Joe Pesci and and my cousin Vinny, I got hope for the youths, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to have no, hope for the youths. So no cap, no, that's no. There cap. you go. <laughs> there you go. Go off, King. Go off, King. You're a goat. You're a goat. All right. So that's gonna do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at dmac underscore la. As always, you can follow the People's Champ, Mister Travis Rogers, on Twitter at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked On Rams' house?